and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. Let's open up our Bibles today to the book of Acts, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 12, um, and we'll start here in verse 1, and while you're turning, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person across all of our campuses, and I thank you by the power of your spirit and the greatness of your name that you would speak to your people. Father, your Holy Spirit is a teacher. And he's so much better at it than any man or woman on the planet. Because he can take your word and personalize it and have it be ministry and not just teaching. So, Father, let him minister. Let him talk to my heart and let him talk to the hearts of each and every person at each and every campus. Even those listening to this podcast, let your Holy Spirit speak to them. We love you, Father, and we ask for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Acts chapter 12, verse number 1. Now, about that time, Herod the king laid hands, not the good kind, on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews... He proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him, watch this, the impossible odds here, four squads of soldiers, not four soldiers, four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending afterward, after the Passover, to bring him out before the people and kill him. So Peter was kept in prison, watch this. Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made, watch this, fervently. Uh, The Bible doesn't throw out adjectives to be easier to read. Um, It doesn't throw out things to make it more entertaining. It's instructing you with every word. But prayer was being made for him fervently, By the church to God. Prayer was being made fervently by the church to God. And on the very night, when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And the guards in front of the doors were watching over the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared. And a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so, and he said to them, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done to him was real. He's thinking he's dreaming. 
Verse 10, and when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city. Watch this. Which just opened. No one had to touch it. It just opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from, from, from him. And when Peter came to himself, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angels. It took all of that, uh, but he finally got to a place. I'm not dreaming. Uh, what I want for our church is to be a modern-day Book of Acts church. And when you read the Book of Acts, which I encourage you to read, you can read it a lot during 21 days of prayer and fasting, I would love for you to do that, honestly. Um, you see the power of God, like not in theory, but in practice. It's opening up gates. It's releasing chains. It's confounding prisoners of like, he was right here, and then now he's not. It's shaking buildings. It's in shadows of people, and when the shadow passes by, people who are sick, they are getting well. Um, this is our example. And this is what we should be. This is what we should see. And so oftentimes, and I can use the church, like the church world as an example of like, I don't see that a lot. Uh, but I, I don't ever want to criticize something I can't be over. So I'll just say in our church, I want to see it more. Like, I, I want to see the power of God in our assembly. I want to see the power of God in your life. I don't want your faith, your conviction, your belief to stand in how well I articulate a message. I, I want your faith, your devotion, your belief to stand in the power of God. I've seen him. I've seen him. And when I look at the book of Acts as to why they were walking in so much power, what you see is there was a whole lot of prayer. Now, here's what we know as Christians, is that prayer releases the power of God throughout Scripture. And we could do nothing but look at these examples. When you see people pray, you see God's power. Now, we live in a world where it's like, eh, I'll pray for you, or, you know, nothing else to do but to pray, which always makes me laugh. It's like, so you tried everything else, then God. Like, um, so, but we have this thought of like, oh, I'll pray. And in the book of Acts, it's like, we'll pray. This is bad. The story's not going the way we want it to go. We'll pray. And prayer will change it. Prayer will alter it. I know they've got Peter. I know tomorrow they're going to execute him. I know he's sleeping between two guards. I know he's got four soldiers, four quadrants of soldiers around him. I know he's in prison. I know they just killed James with the sword. But we'll pray. And because we're praying, we know our prayers can change the story. And how many of you know your prayers can change the story? If the story is not going the way you want it to go, your prayers can change the story. If the, the, the trend of how your children are tracking is not going in the direction you want it to go, how many of you believe that prayer can change the trend? Prayer can change the story. Uh, and, and so what I want is for us to pray more, and not just for 21 days. I'd love, to I'd love to get you to find such a rhythm of prayer, such a habit of prayer, such a secret place of prayer that it continues not just all throughout this year, but all throughout your life. Genuinely, that's what I want, because where there is prayer, there is power. And in anything, and I'll just, you know, before I move on, anything in your life where the story is not going the way you want it to go, it's an invitation for prayer. Yeah. 
any area of your life where it's, it's just not going the right way, Pastor Joel, it's an invitation for prayer. Anything you want to see God do, it's an invitation for prayer. Prayer is an earthly license for heavenly interference. God has given you the keys. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If you want heaven to move, earth has to move first. If you want to see God's power, God needs to hear your prayer. We've got to prioritize it in our life because where there's prayer, there is power. Um, one of the stories that's been in my heart so big for the start of this year, and we'll, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, at the prayer conference, if not sooner. Uh, but it's in the book of Kings. In Kings, and they'll put it up on the screens, um, there is a famine. And it has not rained, which is a problem in an agricultural society. And out of this, um, there is a man by the name of Elijah who God is speaking to. And he says this statement, he says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And this was not something he heard outside. This was something he heard in his heart. There's not anything in the sky. It hasn't rained for years. But in his heart, he hears the sound of an abundance of rain. And get this, I don't have time to teach on it. We will later. He prays from that promise. So he's beginning to pray based off of what he has heard. Before God hears it, Elijah heard it. And God hears what Elijah has already heard. Pray this. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And so he begins to set his face to pray. And watch the story how it plays out. 1 Kings 18 and verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth, notice, praying fervently. The church was praying fervently, but prayer was made fervently. This implies fervency. Um, and he crouched down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look to the sea. And I love this. This teaches you so much about prayer. He's got something in his heart, and he's praying for that. He looks for it with his eyes. When he looks for it with his eyes, what does he see? Nothing. But he's praying for it and he still sees nothing. And not only is he, he, he praying for it, he, he's heard it in his heart and he see, still sees nothing, but he doesn't give up on it. There's perseverance in his heart and he begins to contend for the thing that God put there. And so he keeps praying. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go back seven times. So for seven times, he's, he's going back up. Is what I'm praying for something now, I not only hear in my heart, but see with my eyes. Is what I'm praying for now, not only something I hear in my heart, but see with my eyes. Is what I'm praying for now, what I'm praying for my children, what I'm praying for my job, what I'm praying for my life. is not just something I've heard in my heart, but I'm seeing with my eyes. And for seven times, the answer was no. Nothing is changing until it did. And the servant goes up, and on the seventh time he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down. Watch this. So that heavy shower does not stop you. Keeps going here. And a little while, while the sky grew black and the clouds and wind, there was a heavy shower. Watch, just leave it here for a second. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Now, Ahab was the king. And when you think about the king and his chariot and the horses that were driving it, do you think he had the best, and if not the best, at least some of the best of those two things? 
I'm sure the king had the best horses in the land, had the best chariot in the land. Now, as we start a new year all around us, and I do it too, you see a lot of New Year's resolutions and goals that are set. Of um, You know, we learn through wisdom, which we should. Wisdom's a principal thing. Um, um, okay, what's the best use of my money? And how can I get the best interest or rate of return for that? And so we find out information on that. Uh, are we looking to see of our bodies? If I want my body to have more energy and I, I want it to, you know, be lighter or whatever it may be uh, this year. And so we go and get the best wisdom about that. And so we accumulate the world's best wisdom. And on our news app, the world is constantly good about showing us what the new and greatest wisdom in that area is. And so what the world does, and what, what typically even happens in church, is you'll, you'll come and you'll get the world's best wisdom of, of here's a lot of things that you could do to go faster, further, you know, get a better chariot, get some better horses. If you get a better chariot, you get a better horses, you get a better investment portfolio, and you get a better diet plan, and you get a better use of your money, and you, you, you read this book, and all of a sudden you've got you know, a greater plan for marriage and all these other types of things. You'll go further faster. And so the world is all about, how can I get a faster horse? And the world is all about, how can I get a better chariot? Which is God. Uh, we should look at all those things, but I want you to notice how this story ends. He's riding to Jezreel, but the hand of the Lord came on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab and his chariot to Jezreel. Oh, don't make me preach, church. Don't, don't, make, don't, make, don't make me do it. No, notice what happens here. Elijah, he doesn't have the horses. Elijah, he doesn't have the chariot. I'm sure he wished he would sometimes. It beats walking. Uh, you know, I'm sure he would often look at like Ahab's horse and be like, that's a nice horse. Or look at his chariot and be like, that's a nice chariot. But here's what I want you to see is what we know in church is something that the world does not know. And the world does not understand. Like, it's great if you got the chariot. And it's great if you got some horses. But you give me a man or a woman with the spirit of the Lord on their life, they can outrun the best of the world anytime they want. And so the world trusts in chariots and horses. But we trust in the Lord our God. And, and so, yes, get your chariot. And yes, have your horse of like all the things you're going to do this year. But friend, I'm telling you, how much faster could those things go with the Spirit of the Lord on them? And this is what prayer does. Prayer invites the Spirit of God on your life. Prayer releases the supply of the Spirit over your children. It releases the supply of the Spirit over your goals. How many times have you set goals and you knew exactly what to do, but you did not have the grace to carry those goals out? How many times did you have the exact wisdom you needed, but you did not find yourself using that wisdom because you lacked willpower? You know what's better than willpower? His power. Which is why Jesus said to his disciples, do not try to do anything until the power of the Holy Spirit has come on you. And so they stayed where? Not just in an upper room. They stayed praying in that upper room until the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon them. And you know what you see in Acts? You see the man and the woman outrunning the world. When they walked into the world, they said, those who have turned the world upside down have come hither also. 
They weren't known for their wisdom and they weren't known for their chariots and horses. They were known for being men and women who had the Spirit of the Lord on them. Can I ask you a question? What's your legacy? What are you famous for? We could be famous for our chili. Be famous for our smile. Be famous for our work ethic. Be famous for our jokes. Be famous for how much we know about fantasy football. What's your legacy? What are you famous for? What do your friends know you of? He's the funny one. You want to know about makeup? Ask her. What are you famous for? What if you were famous for? They've been with Jesus. They got something on them. They got something on them. And I don't have on me. I read this story by John G. Lake, and he was a, a man that God just moved mightily upon. He said there was this little girl, he said she just was a, a wonderful worshiper. And he said she would sit down at a piano and the Spirit of the Lord would come on her and she would just produce music that when, it, when she sang it, it was just it was nothing anybody ever written before. It didn't come from the earth. It came from the, the Spirit. And she would just sit down at a piano and she would just sing. He said, and, and it just blessed everybody who heard it. It was just one of those things. And he said that there was this singer, and I, I Googled her. You can find her on the internet, who was famous during this time. This was years ago, over 100 years ago. The lady by the name of Clara Butts. And Clara had a, a mega, you know, kind of following that you could have in that day. And she'd tour and go all over the world singing, you know, be like any pop star you know of today. And she came to Johannesburg where he was at, the city where, where John G. Lake was at. And she had, you know, some Christian following and people who told her about this, this girl. And so out of that, she came and she sat, um, you know, did her concert, that kind of thing. But she, she followed up with John G. Lake and the others. And she said, I've heard about this girl who sings. And she's like, I'd love to hear her. And so he, she said, can you make that happen? And John G. Lake said, well, I'll try. But he said, what you need to know about this girl is it's not like a natural talent. She's, you know, got a pretty voice, but it's, it's not that. Like it's the spirit of the Lord and it's a gift. So we can't control it. But he said, we can pray. And we can ask God for him to pour out that way. And so she gathered in this room and, and this little girl sits down at this piano and John G. Lake said, I just went over in the corner and said, God bless this presence with your room. God let us come to know Jesus and his presence, not just in word, but in power. Let your presence be real to us. And he said, this little girl, just the spirit of God hit her and she began to play. And she sang and he said, he looked over and, and Clara was just bawling. And she said this statement, she said, what this girl has is not of this world. What she has is not of this world. Would my kids say that about me? What he has, it's not of this world. The answer to that is maybe on my best days. But I want my best day to be my every day. Prayer, a prayerful life is a powerful life. It ushers in the Spirit of God. Where there is no prayer, there is no heavenly power. 
Uh, God's a gentleman. Satan forces God has to be invited. And if you don't invite God into your space, he does not fill it. He stands at the door and knocks. The devil will kick it down. The devil will force you. He will make you. Those habits will drive you. Addiction will ensnare you and pull you. God will not. He's a gentleman. He will knock. He will knock. He will not kick down the door. He will not pull you. He will not snare you. He will not addict you. He will knock and you get the opportunity to say, do I want to get up and let him in? And prayer is simply saying, yes. I want you in this space. Yes, I want you in this conversation. Yes, I want you to lead and guide me. Yes, I want you to work on my kids. Yes, I want you in my marriage. Yes, I want you in my message. I want you in my service. Yes, I want you here. Yes. Prayer is an invitation for God. And when he gets that invitation, he invades it with his power and his glory. And he does what only he can do. He, he produces acts because that's who he is. But why don't we pray more? If we know this, which I think most of us do, if we, we know this, why don't we pray more? And the reason why we don't pray more, it's very simple. It's because we don't fast. And, and I don't mean to shame or guilt. I mean to explain um, fasting is a critical part of our lives. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 said three fundamental Christian disciplines that every Christian should apply. Giving, prayer, and fasting. With each one of those, these things, he said, when you do them, not if you do them. And he said, when you do them in secret, your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. The modern church today has taught a lot about giving the modern church today has taught a lot about prayer, but the modern church today is very ignorant on fasting. And the reason why we don't pray more is because we don't fast more. I, I didn't fully understand this until over the Christmas break. I was reading a story in scripture that has become really just an anthem and kind of a heartbeat uh, for my walk and my devotion with the Lord over the last two years. It's the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Uh, let's go over and look at it, and we'll close with this. Luke 15. You know the story Jesus is teaching on loss. He starts with a guy who lost a sheep and then goes to a story of a woman who lost a coin, and then he moves to a father who lost a son. And he's explaining to us, Jesus is, how the kingdom of God works, and I want you to see how it works in the story of the prodigal. Luke 15 and verse 11. He said, a man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the state that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them, between the, the two boys. Now, just let's take a quick time out here. You see the father giving. When is the father giving? When his son is what? Asking. The father is giving when the son is doing what? When the son is asking, the father is giving. Jesus is teaching us how the father works. The father is giving when the son is asking. If I want to see the father give, the son must do what? Ask. The daughter must ask. If we ask, the father gives. You have not. Why? Because you ask not. 
And so here we see the son give, or the, the son ask, and the father gives. This confuses the, the other son. If you recall in the story of the prodigal, when the other son eventually sees the son come home, what does he say? He said, I've been in your house working, and you never gave me anything. You gave him a fatted calf. You have never given me a lamb. Because he thought working would get the father to give him. Is God moved by works? No, it's by faith. And what does faith do? It believes with the heart and it asks. It asks. It speaks with the mouth. Uh, This is how salvation comes to you for heaven. But this is how salvation for life comes every time. Believing with the heart and asking with the mouth saves your eternity. But it also saves your life. Believing with the heart, asking with the mouth, it moves the Father. And so here you see the the prodigal. He asks, the Father gives, and he takes what the Father gives him, and watch how he lives with it. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and he hired out for himself one of the citizens of the country that sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods of the swine that were eating, but no one was giving anything to him. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying, watch this, I am dying here with hunger. Verse 17, I'll get up and go to my father. When did he get up to go to the father and ask again? When did he get up to go to the father to ask again? When he got what? Hungry. When he got hungry, his hunger drove him to the Father. When he got hungry, that's when he was filled. When he got hungry, that hunger drove him to God. Why didn't he go before? Because he was so full. You know why we don't go to the Father? You know why we don't pray? It's not because we don't love God. It's not because we don't know His goodness. You know why we don't go? We're too full. He had just been blessed by the Father. And he was so blessed, he had a lot of money. His days were filled with activity. His nights were filled with activity. His belly was filled with food. His bank account was filled with money. And you know what I found in Christianity? You know when people pray? When these things start to get empty. When people go through a hard time and people have left them. When people have gone through a hard time and they say, no one's giving me anything. It's not working, Pastor Joel. Their hunger takes them back to church. Their hunger takes them back to the altar. And here's what fasting is saying. I'm not going to wait for life to get empty. I'm going to empty myself. My days are too full. I'm living like Martha and I need to be married. I've got so much I got to do, so many places I got to go. And even when I don't have something on schedule, I won't be bored for 30 seconds before I try to fill up my time again. Fill it up with an app, fill it up with an email, fill it up with ESPN, fill it up with all these things. We don't like being empty. And God is saying, won't you empty yourself so that you get hungry enough to come to me? 
hungry enough to open up the door and then we'll come and we'll get filled but you're not going to be filled with entertainment and you're not going to be filled with things that don't profit you or deliver you you're going to be filled with the spirit you're going to be filled with something that will make you outrun a chariot you're going to be filled with something that's going to take you off the ground and lift you into the sky going to take you to a place where like a girl at a piano you do more for people than the greatest pop star who is so full they don't realize how empty they really are what is fasting it's real simple it's pulling away from the desirable to give yourself to the powerful It's pulling away from the desirable to give yourself to the powerful. What was the original sin? When the woman saw the fruit was desirable to eat, she reached for it. And in reaching for the desirable, she left the powerful. And we look at that and it's like, how could you do that? But yet every single day of our lives, we we reach for the desirable and we forsake the powerful. We reach for the entertainment and we forsake the presence of God. We, we reach for the thing that can entertain our soul. We reach for the thing that can make us laugh. We look for, reach for the thing that can make us happy when we eat it. We reach for the thing that can give us immediate satisfaction and relief, numbing from the pain when we drink it, when we take it. We reach for the desirable and we leave the powerful. And what fasting is saying is saying, I don't want to reach for the desirable any longer. I want to reach for the powerful. This cannot profit me or save me. In fact, Many of these things actually enslaved me. And I found I'm loyal to the things I hate the most. Stop being loyal to the worst version of you. Stop being loyal to the things that hurt you. Stop being loyal to the things that that can't save you. Be loyal to the one who died for you. Be loyal to the one who can save and deliver. They came to Jesus in Matthew 17. Watch this story. They'll put it out on the screens. Matthew 17. It's further down in the notes. Matthew 17. There's a father who's got a son who's got an issue he can't fix. And he brings him to the disciples, which would be the equivalent to us. And they couldn't cure him. They knew the lessons. They could have pointed him to the verses, but they had no power. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation. (laughs) Jesus never read the coaching uh, manual that said, start with a compliment, then correct, end with a compliment. (laughs) Jesus didn't have a problem telling them the truth. And look at what he said here. Unbelieving, perverted. Unbelieving and perverted. Unbelieving and perverted. Um, Don't make this harsher than it is. Listen to me. Don't make this harsher than it is. Not connected to God, too connected to the world. Not connected to God, too connected to the world. You know more about their culture than you know about his. You know more about what they say than you do about what he says. You know more of their report than you do of his report. And it's costing you a promised land.
that you hear about it, but you never walk in it. How long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Verse 18. Jesus rebuked him. Demon came out of him. The boy was cured at once. I like the disciples here. You see, humility. Teach us. Humility is always teachable. If someone can't teach you, you're not humble. Proud will always talk. It'll never listen. The disciples came to Jesus and teach us privately. Teach us. Why could we not drive it out? Watch what he says. And he said unto them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move to, from here to there, and it would leave you. Nothing will be impossible to you. Watch this next part. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Connected to God, disconnected from the world. Connected to God, disconnected from the world. Why couldn't we do it? Unbelieving, not connected to God. Perverse, too connected to the world. What's the way out? Connect to God. Leave the world. In what area of your life in 2024 to start this year off with do you need to get empty? In what area of your life this year do you need to pull away and say, you know what, I'm giving that space to God. Maybe it's in your car. It's like, I'm going to pray there. Maybe it's like when I get home, I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to delete some apps and I'm going to seek God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for my children. I'm going to pray for my husband. I'm going to pray for my wife. Maybe you make a decision like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for three hours a day. I'm going to pray for an hour in the morning, an hour at lunch, and an hour at night. And you may say, well, Pastor I don't even know how to pray. You know how you play soccer? You play soccer. You know how you learn how to play soccer? You play soccer. You know how you learn to pray? You pray. Yes, read the book. Yes, listen to the podcast. But get on your knees. Maybe that's what you pray when you pray. I don't know how to do this. Help me, Lord. He will help you. He will help you. But you know what you need to do to start this year off with? Get bored. And instead of taking boredom and filling it with the next desirable thing, get bored and fill it with the greatest powerful thing on this planet, a living God who loves you and stands at the door and knocks. Let's let him in. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. That we hear your voice and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. Father, we thank you this year. This is a year that will begin with prayer and fasting. And a year that will end with the same. That, Father, we intentionally take our lives away from the desirable to fill our lives with the powerful. Father, we thank you that we will not wait like the prodigal waited for everything to fall apart before we get hungry. But, Father, we humble ourselves We don't want you to humble us. We humble ourselves. And Father, we say we will be a Mary in a Martha world. In a world that is so busy, we do the one necessary thing, and that is sitting at your feet. Father, we love you. And as we worship across all of our campuses, Father, I thank you that we don't just worship, but we make a pledge to live this way. That we make a pledge to draw near to here. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.